Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock into the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not being consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burning up. And the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word, saints, you can be seated. Church, what kind of sermons do you like to listen to? What kind of sermons interest you? What kind of sermons keep you awake? Let me qualify that. I'm not talking about the style of the sermon or even the style of the preacher. You know, preachers come in all different shapes and sizes. Some preachers preach slow. And some preachers preach snail slow. Some preachers preach like they left their stove on high. They preach really fast. But church, I'm not talking about the type of preaching style you like. But rather, I'm talking about what do you like when it comes to the content of the sermon? What interests you? What interests you? What keeps your ears perked up during the sermon? What keeps you from not falling asleep during the preached word? What keeps you interested? Is it pithy one-liners? Do you like those? All Christians like those. Is it when the preacher starts speaking about the struggles of life? Is that when you... Start to open your ears and listen to the minister preach? Or, or what about church when the preacher starts to talk about worldly affairs and current events? Starts talking about the political climate of the day. And what we see and how rapidly the earth or rather the world is declining. Is that, saints, what you like when the sermon goes forth? Church, let me ask you, how fast does it take for you to turn or rather tune out the minister and get on your phone? How, how fast does it take for you to start dozing off and, and close your eyes? Do you give your, the minister 10 minutes? Do you give him 20 minutes? Do you give him even five minutes? Oh, Lord, have mercy if you do. A retired minister slash professor was asked by his students, Professor, if you can go back and change one thing about your ministry, what would it be? He said, oh, student, that's an easy answer. He said, 
I would speak more about God to the congregation. He said, I would speak more about God to the congregation. That's funny, though, because you think that that's what we do as preachers. We talk about God. He's not saying just say the name God. And he's not saying I'm talking about speaking of the external works of God. He said, I'm talking about talking about God and who God is. I'm talking about God and how we talk about God. I'm talking about God's attributes and his character. That's what I would change in my ministry. I would go up to the pulpit, describe who God is, and simply leave it at that. That's what I would change about my ministry. Congregation, this is what I came to tell you today. That sometimes we don't need to hear a sermon about how God will bring us through the storms. But we need more sermons. And we need to know about the God who is with us in the midst of the storm. Not the God who will bring us to happiness, but the God who is happiness itself. Saints of God, we don't need to hear about ten ways of how we can live better the Christian life. But rather, sometimes the, the best practical implication of a sermon is simply this. Congregation, behold your God. And live in light. Of your great God. Sometimes the best practical application is go home now and contemplate your God and who he is. I say all this congregation because this is a situation we find Moses in as we come to Exodus chapter 3. This is the context of Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses meets the one who's been guiding and protecting his path since he was an infant in the mother's womb. In Exodus chapter 3, God steps on the scene. God puts the spotlight on himself. The, The liberator of Israel meets the human instrument who will lead God's people out of slavery. In Exodus chapter 3, we have a meeting of God and man. In these first five verses, before Moses can be used of God, Moses got to go to school. Before Moses can be used of God, God takes Moses on a crash course of theology proper. That's just a fancy way of saying that before Moses can be used of God, before Moses can see the plagues and the power of God being displayed through him, before Moses and Israel can be led by God through that cloud, Moses has to meet God in a burning bush. Moses, saints of God, needs to go to school and first know who's going to lead us. Who's going to lead Israel out of Exodus? In other words, the God who Moses has been hearing about since he was a boy. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
must teach Moses about himself. The day started out like any other day. Verse 1 says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. This picture of Moses is, is quite different, saints of God, than how I'm sure Moses pictured how his life would end up. Moses, the man who at one point had it all, according to earthly standards, he had riches, he had power, he had fame, is now seen pasturing a flock. Moses, the man who at one point was the second most powerful man in all of the world, is now just a shepherd. In fact, quite some time has passed in Moses' life. As we come to Exodus chapter 3, quite some time has passed. Forty years have passed. This is different than the prince of Egypt that I watched. Moses was maybe 30, 40 years old. No, 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 no. When we are introduced to Moses here in Exodus 3, Moses is now an 80-year-old man. An 80-year-old man. Moses is an old man living in the twilight of his life. All his friends are signing off on their retirement and living off their retirement. And this makes what Moses is doing fitting at his age. But, but as Moses is tending his sheep, he, he sees something he's never seen before. In, in verse 2, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. What Moses sees here is unlike anything you and I have ever experienced in our life. You may have seen some cool things in your life, but you have never seen what Moses sees here in Exodus chapter 3. But it's not the sight of a burning bush that that catches his eye. You know, I'm sure Moses has seen that same bush before. I'm sure Moses has passed by that same bush many times. I'm actually sure that Moses has seen bushes being burned before. That that's not what catches his eye. But 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 rather what catches his eye is the bush is burning, but not burning up. The bush is burning, but not burning up. It's very hard for us to consider, is it not? Because we have never seen anything like this. In fact, I even went on YouTube trying to figure out how in the world would this even look? A bush burning, but not burning up. Imagine a tree burning and on fire, but the tree itself is intact. The tree is not being consumed by fire. Moses sees us and amazed, but unlike us, he's also confused. How can this be? What's the reason behind the strange event? How can a bush be not consumed while it's on fire? Well, verse 2 says, because the angel of the Lord was in the fire. Because the angel of the Lord was in the fire. In other words, church, God's special presence was in that bush. God's special presence was in that bush. 
And saints, there are two things we learn about God in verse 2. First, is that God is a revealer. That God is a revealer. Again, Moses is going to school here. And you're going to go to school this afternoon. All this sermon is about is basically one person. God. God is a revealer. Moses woke up that day. And like every other day, expected nothing great to happen. Woke up that morning and said, this is going to be a normal whatever day it was. But and, and at his old age, he doesn't need any unexpected things to take place. But what Moses doesn't know is that there was somebody waiting for him when he got up that mountain. What Moses doesn't know is that from the time he was in his mother's womb, God has been guiding his steps and preparing Moses for this meeting on Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb. The same mountain in which God would call up Moses to receive the law. Here, God calls up Moses and reveals to him who he is. Mount Horeb. This saints of the truth that we cannot undermine. That the God who is infinitely other than us. The God who is infinitely distant from us. The God who is infinitely beyond us. Hear me now. Desires for us to know him. Desires for us to know him. The famous interviewer, Larry King, asked his guests, who in history would you like to get to know? Some say Bob Marley. Some say Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Some say I would even like to meet my great grandparents. In church, while we can We can see those names and we ourselves can even think about people in the past whom we love to meet. While it would be something to meet people in the past, saints of God, can I tell you something that's even more amazing? That the God who made the heavens and the earth wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. So God then, what does he do? Out of his sheer goodness, he allows us to know him. He gives us creation. And in creation, we see his beauty. In creation, we see his goodness. In creation, we see his oneness. But but he doesn't just stop in creation. He also gives us his word. And we know things about God that we don't know in creation, such as He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, in many ways, takes the plenitude and infiniteness of His being and He, and He breaks Him up and He puts it here in the clouds. He puts it here in the mountains. He puts it everywhere in creation. And then, and then He puts Himself more fully on display in his word. Saints of God, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad this afternoon that God has not left us without a description of himself? Aren't you glad? Maybe you're not glad. Maybe you actually 
Maybe you actually want to imagine God the way in which you want to imagine God. Maybe you're like that little boy in that kindergarten class who the teacher said, draw anything you want. Um, The little boy then begins to draw. The teacher comes by and asks the little boy, what are you drawing? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. She says, that's funny. No one knows what God looks like. The little boy then replies, well, they will when I'm done. (laughs) Saints of God, sadly, we have a bunch of kindergarten students drawing pictures of God these days. Sadly, who God is has been nothing else than reduced down to what a kindergarten would say about God. A picture of God that doesn't resemble the one of the Bible, but but one of one's own imagination. But saints, I'm so glad. This is why I'm so glad, saints of God, that God didn't leave it up to you and I to describe who he is. But in fact, God is much greater. God is more transcendent. God is more infinite than anything my finite mind can describe. He's greater than anything that I could have dreamt of. But saints, let's be honest. You sit here now, you're smart people. We know this already. This is the truth that we confess. We were raised knowing this, that God has revealed himself. We know that already. But church, stay with me here. Sometimes God reveals himself in some unlikely places. And in some unlikely circumstances. Here we have Moses. Just another day in the office. Just a normal day. And out of nowhere. In the most unusual of ways. God appears. Church, I wonder. I wonder. If you've ever had such God appearing experience in your life. I wonder if if the day was just a regular Monday for you and then suddenly God appears. I think of our pastor, 19 years old, just another day driving home late night on a road that he has driven before down many times and out of nowhere, saints of God. A drunk driver hits him and his whole life changes forever. I think of myself at 21 years old, waking up just another Monday. And out of nowhere, I am rushed to the hospital and literally seeing my father die before my eyes. Saints of God, what I'm saying is sometimes God meets you. In the most unlikeliest of circumstances. And church, I'm not saying that your pastors are Moses. And we've had a burning bush experience. But what I'm saying is the God who was in that burning bush. On those days. Revealed himself evermore to your pastor and I. What I'm saying, saints of God, is if you can look back on your life. You can see that there were some times in your life. Where God met you in some unlikely circumstances and in some unlikely places. 
And saints of God, it is in those times when God shined the light in your darkness. It is in those times, saints of God, when the light had to go off in your life in order for him, the true light, to show himself off. It is in those times, saints of God, and I thank God for those times of darkness, when God enlarges himself to us, when God shows himself to us, when we used to think God was so small, and then suddenly on a Monday morning, God says, no, I'm actually bigger than you thought. Now, now some, suddenly, late night driving home, hit by a car, and God shows himself to be bigger than I thought he was. Saints of God, we must not see as those times that are random. We must not think of those times as times when they just happen by chance. I think of Moses here in our text. We must not conclude that this meeting between God and man is just by a luck of the dice or by draw, but rather Moses, saints of God, met God because Moses had a divine appointment. This was divinely ordained by God. Saints of God, what happened to Moses this day is something that happened to Moses. Again, not by random, not by chance, but by God. No church, God did not meet Moses where Moses was, but rather Moses was brought to a place where God was. God brought Moses to himself. Which teaches us on congregation that, that God not only reveals who he is, but God takes it a step further. God takes the initiative. That God takes the initiative. Saints of God, whenever my wife and I are asked the question, how did we meet? Usually, like married couples, they fight for about five minutes. No, 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 it was you. No, rather, it was, it was me. No, 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 it was you that, 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 uh, um, messaged me first. No, 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 no. And, and saints of God, usually there's a back and forth over who made the first move, but saints of God, if someone was to ask you, who made the first move between you and God? If someone was to ask you, who messaged who first? Between you and God. Without any hesitation. The only answer and the right answer is this. God made the first move. God made the first move. Let me, let me put it in more 2024 terminology for you. It was God that first sent you a friend request. It was God that first liked your picture. It was God first. That gave you a call. It was God first that messaged you. <clears throat> Maybe you're not awake right now. God first messaged you. God first took the initiative. Because saints of God, you cannot come to God. So God had to come to you. You are a product, not of you stepping forward and saying, Lord, I've done all that I can do. I've run as fast as I could. Now, can you help me get to you? No, 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 no. Saints of God, you weren't even running toward God. 
But God took one infinite step toward you. Saints of God, I love that old pastor's testimony in which he made a simple statement that is probably the best statement. That is probably all of our testimony. He says, I was on my way to hell, but God interrupted me. And saints of God, we have a bunch of people here that we were on the road to hell. But God said, "Uh uh-uh. I'm going to interrupt you while you're on your way. But church, in this verse, there is a deeper, more fundamental truth we learn about God. And it's symbolized here on this picture of the burning bush. We're going to talk more about the burning bush next month. Next month, But but it, it's, it's symbolized here in this burning bush. I live in a town where, or rather in a part of town, where across from my apartments there's a huge field. And every now and then... There's a fire that breaks out. And usually we know who exactly started the fire. When we see a building constructed, we know who put the building together. Someone had to put this together. When someone makes delicious cakes or cookies, I'm the first one to ask, who in the world made this? But as Moses sees this burning bush, what he doesn't see are matches on the ground. What he doesn't see are drippings of lighter fluid and gas on the ground. But 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 when Moses sees this bush, he there's nobody there. There's no one there whom we he he can attribute this 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 fire to. And saints, what this teaches us is the first thing we ought to get right. If we want to talk about and know our God properly. It is that old truth. But is that true, saints of God, that is a warm pillow at night? Is that God is self-sufficient. God is self-sufficient. Theologians speak of this as the aseity of God, the, the independence of God. Which means that God does not derive his life. Or anything about him from anyone or anything. Again, God does not derive his life. He does not derive all that he is from anyone or anything. This is a bold claim, church. Because the great question is this. Is since God made the world, then who made God? Who made God then? We are people who are not satisfied with merely one existing. But we want to know the origins of where one came from. Well, we saw this during the COVID pandemic, did we not? Everyone scrambling around trying to figure out how in the world did this virus get here? Where did it come from? But church... If you were to search for God's origins, if you were to search for God's birthplace, saints of God, if you were to search and look through the files for God's birth certificates, let me give you the answer so you don't waste your time. God doesn't have a mother or a father. God doesn't have a hometown. God doesn't have a hospital in which he was born in. Simply put, church, God did not derive his life from anyone or anything. 
Saints of God, you will say amen to that. When we get to Exodus 3.14. And when God says, I am. God does not come from anyone or anything. In fact, God does not even come from himself. God didn't create himself. And church, if there's anything that sets God apart from us, it is this truth here. It's this truth here. Because you and I, you and I, saints of God, none of us are self-sufficient. It's hard for us to say amen when we say, when the preacher says, God is self-sufficient. Because we think we create things. We think we can, we do things on our own. And we have the power to do things on our own. You may claim, saints of God, you may claim and you may think that your famous cookies and cakes are made from scratch. You could think that. You could claim that. But you have never made nothing from scratch. You didn't make the sugar. You didn't make the flour. You didn't produce the eggs. Saints of God, you may claim when someone looks at that beautiful table that you have you have on your dining room set, you may claim, oh, this thing right here, I made this. You didn't make it in the strict sense. You didn't make the wood. You didn't make the saw. You didn't make the nails. None of us, saints of God, are able to put things together in the strict sense of the word. What I'm trying to tell you, church, is what we can't say of ourselves, we must say of God. That God is self-sufficient. And this is a truth, saints of God, that is not something that we have to, dis- we have to search the scriptures and discover. But we see this in the very first verse, in the very first chapter, in the very first book of the Bible. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Haven't you noticed that in Genesis, God doesn't go through great lengths as he is describing how all things are made? He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't even waste one word on how he was made. On how he came about. No, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me ask you, church, what did God have to work with in the beginning? What did God have to work with when he created light and formed darkness? What did God have to work with when he created the waters and dry ground? Well, what did God have to work with when he set time itself in motion? No, God doesn't have to work with anything. Because Genesis 1 teaches us that God stepped out on nothing. God spoke to nothing. God looked at nothing. But as soon as God said let, all that was formless started to shake. As soon as God said let, all that was empty started to move. As soon as God said let, all that was nothing started to stretch and become something. Uh, What I'm trying to tell you, saints, is that our God is the only one who can look at the world. He can look at the stars. He can look at the planets. He can look at everything in this creation and say, you see all this? I made it from scratch. I made it from scratch. I put this together. And Moses, while looking at this bush, 
He's getting a lesson on who God is. So verse 3, Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight while this bush is not burning up. Verse 4 through 6, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him and from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the Lord, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses can't believe what he's seeing. A bush burning, but not being consumed. But saints, to add to that, as if this wasn't strange enough, as if, as if this wasn't already a scene from the twilight zone, the bush starts to speak. The bush starts to talk. And it gets more intense because the bush doesn't just blabber out any words. The bush calls Moses by his name. Imagine a bush being burnt up, or rather a bush burning up and not burning up. And it calls out your name. It knows who you are. Moses is called out by his name. And as I'm sure you would, Moses then takes a step forward. But then Moses, or rather than God, says, wait, Mo, don't get too close. You can't get too close to me. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. Two things we learn about this, about God, saints of God in this verse. First and foremost, that God is holy. God is holy. If you haven't woken up yet, I suggest you wake up now. God is holy. One more time. God is holy. God is holy. And saints, when we think of God's holiness, we first must not define it as God's righteousness or that God is freed from sin. But rather to say God is holy is to say that God is altogether perfect. To say God is holy is to say that in God there is no defect. That in God he is other than his creation. Church, to speak of God's holiness is to speak of this this distance between us and God. Not a distance of one of, well, God's way up here and I'm way down here. No, it's a distance of who God is and who we are. Let me make it plain for you. To speak of God's holiness is to say this. You are not God and God is not you. That's what it means to say God is holy. That you are not God and God is not us. God says, stand back. There is an invisible line that you can't see. Don't get too close, Moses. And church, I don't know about you. But this is a truth that I need to be reminded of daily. I need to be reminded of God's holiness. When I was younger, whenever my friends would come to my house, before they would come inside, I would say, hold on, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you go into this house, there is one rule and one rule only. Don't cuss. When mom's is present, you better not say one curse word. Nothing foul better come from your mouth. Watch your mouth. 
So my mom will tell you. Moms don't play that. There is a reverence and a respect that I wanted my friends to have. There was in many ways, and I still do, there, there was, I saw my mother as, as having no flaw. As you treat this woman as holy, as set apart, she's different. And when you come around her, you speak differently. And saints, I wonder, I wonder, even now as you sit here in church, I wonder if you have that same reverence for God. I wonder, saints of God, if you have the same reverence for God in the same way you have reverence for getting to work on time. I wonder if you have the same reverence for God in the same way you have reverence for not being late for a date. I wonder, saints of God, if you have the same respect for God that you do for people in higher positions. I wonder, saints of God, when it comes to the things of the Lord, you honor him and respect him, most especially when you're sitting here in church. Who cares if you're tired? Wake up. Who cares if you're hungry? Starve. Who cares, saints of God? We are meeting with God. And God is meeting with us. In case you forgot, let me remind you. God is not the man upstairs. And in case you need to hear it again, God is not your best friend. In case you forgot, saints of God, God is not your heavenly boyfriend. In case you need to be reminded, God is not just someone. God is not just someone. And saints, while we see the world year after year losing their respect for God, we cannot lose our respect for God. We cannot join in with the world. Saints of God is our duty as Christians to uphold the otherness of God. It is our duty as Christians, if we want to be true light in this dark world, to uphold the holiness of God. This is why we shouldn't joke with his name. Don't ever joke with his name. Don't ever joke with God's name. I don't care how mad you are. Don't ever say, oh my God. I don't care how frustrated you are. Don't ever say, oh Lord. I don't care how bad you stubbed your toe. Don't ever scream out, Jesus Christ. All I'm saying, church, is we have to put some respect on God's name. Maybe we don't talk about God's holiness enough. Put some respect on God's name. Bow your head sometimes when you pray. Get on your knees sometimes when you come to the Lord in prayer. 
Live your life knowing that someone holy is watching you. But saints, it's this last thing we learn about God that we so desperately need to hear. It's this last thing. And it's found at the end of verse 4. After the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, he calls to him and says, Moses, Moses. Moses, Moses. God is self-sufficient. God is a revealer. God is holy. And here, this verse is meant to teach us that God is a speaker. We serve a God who speaks. A God who speaks. Romans 1 tells us, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. That is to say, church, we can look at creation and we can see God speaking through what He's been made. Hebrews 1 tells us God after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. That is to say, congregation, it may have been Moses' mouth, but it was God's words. That is to say, church of God, it may have been David's harp, but those are God's lyrics. That is to say, church, Isaiah did the prophesying, but God did the talking. It may have come from St. Paul's pen, but it originated in the mind of God. But church, we must not think that God is done speaking. No, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that God still speaks in these last days. God has spoken to us in his son. And what does the son say? What does the son speak? Well, just like how he called Moses in that burning bush, Moses, Moses, just as he called by name Samuel, just as he called by name Abraham, just as he called by name Jacob, just as he called by name Saul on that Damascus road. Church, the reason why you are sitting here this afternoon is because God called you by your name. And church, when God speaks, something happens. When God speaks, something happens. In March of 1995, before Twitter was invented, Michael Jordan sent a fax that sent the world into a craze. Two words. I'm back. The whole world was turned upside down. In 2015, Oprah joined the Weight Watchers campaign with two words. I'm in. And in two days, the Weight Watchers stock went up 700 million. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you today that the God who we serve has more speaking power than MJ. The God who we serve has more influence in this world than Oprah. For who else can look at a tomb of a man who's been dead for days and say, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, the stone starts to shake. All of a sudden, the stone starts to move. And that dead man, who's been dead for days, comes forth. But church, we must not think again.
that God is done speaking. No, no, no. We must not delimit the power of God in that way. But every Sunday, morning and afternoon, God speaks. God speaks. This is why I say, saints of God, we ought to come to church not like we're going to a wedding. We ought to come to church not like we're going on our first date. We ought to come to church with more reverence than what we have for the person that's dead at a funeral. Because when we come here, you got to wake up. When we come here, you got to posture yourself in a way, in a manner in which someone higher than you is speaking to you. God is speaking through the finite instruments of man, through myself, through Pastor Antonio. God speaks. God speaks. You may say, oh, I wish. Oh, how I wish I could have a burning bush experience. I wish that I can one day walk through Bakersfield, see a tree on fire, and someone and God is in the tree and calls out my name. Saints of God. God's speaking now. God's talking to you now. You ain't got to go up to Mount Horeb. Drive down Yampa, park in the parking lot, come in and hear God speak. God speaks to us, saints of God. And church of God, if God is powerful enough to speak and a dead man can come back to life, then God, through the preached word, through a finite instrument, speaks to former dead people. And he gives you a word that keeps you alive. Saints of God, what I'm saying is this. If you want to hear God speak, if you want to hear what Moses heard, if you want to hear what Abraham, Jacob, and St. Paul heard, if you want to hear God speak, then open your ears when the preached word goes forth. If you want to hear God speak, open your Bible and hear God's voice. And when you do, watch the same God who spoke and something happened. When you incline your ears to the Lord, watch and see something happen in your life. God speaks still. God speaks. Church, the practical takeaway from these five verses are simple. Five simple, very simple. The main lesson is this. This is your God. Behold your God. Contemplate on this great God. The God who is holy. The God self-sufficient. The God who reveals. The God who takes the initiative. And the God who speaks. This is your God, saints. This is your God. Worship him. Live in light of this great God. The self-sufficient God who said, light, and there was light, called you by your name, and you came. The holy God who Moses couldn't get close to, he says to you, come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. The God who reveals himself in creation and this word. He's revealed to you his love in Jesus Christ. The same God. The same God. And the same light that he gave to our brothers and sisters in Corinth. He's given it to you. This is your God, saints. Be in all of him. Worship him. And live in light of this great God. We'll learn more about this great God in the coming months. A lot more. Until then, saints of God, let's ask the Lord to help us live. Live in a manner that's worthy of us calling him God.
Let's pray.